back to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. I'm really excited to welcome back on the program Cruzan McCalligan in for our midweek audio column. Cruz, it's lovely to speak to you again. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm well, thank you. I have had a busy day with many, many meetings, which Ooh. is... The subject of our audio column today, Noreen. Oh, I don't know how. I'm, I'm of two minds. <laughs> meetings are productive, but then, you know, sometimes when they drag on and on, so, some meetings you really look forward to, and then other meetings you think, oh, it's, you know, it's been it's been half an hour, you think, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I everybody think, feels like that. I think back on my working career, and I feel like there was a definite shift, and it was a few years before covid and things like that it was a while ago now there was a definite shift because i'm a very social person and and i find it very frustrating doing things over email all the time i do like the opportunity to meet somebody and just talk to somebody frankly and clearly yeah absolutely and 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 just you know rather than doing everything remotely just be like hi yes and you can read people's body language you can be more focused all those sorts of things and i would go in and i've always been an advocate for a pen and a notebook I don't like taking notes on a laptop or anything like that, um, which, uh, according to previous audio columns I have done, actually commits the information to your memory better than if you were typing it, if you write it by hand. Mm, Obviously, that's not accessible for everyone, but for the majority of people. And then, um, but then I, I think there was a shift and I, uh, for where it stopped being meetings where people were engaged and focused and everyone was there with a common purpose to being that everyone was brought their laptops, brought their phones, and would sit there on their computer answering emails, checking messages, like without actually, no one's actually looking at each other or listening to the person who's speaking. Have you ever experienced this? Uh, yeah, I have. You know, when the person's speaking, I tend to like look at them and like nod because you want to you, you, you want to be paying attention and you, you want the, you know, the others to extend the same sort of courtesy. But there <laughs> but I've been to meetings before where people sort of look down and like, you know, look around and not really want to. WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. And I mean, it's even today, like, um, of course, the, you know, with the current restrictions and everyone doing their part to socially distance, the meetings I have had today have been online, right? So I've been using like, you know, online software, video calling to talk to people. And it is funny because when you have like large groups of people, it's interesting to see how this kind of new cultural etiquette has emerged where speakers will say, I would like everyone to put the camera on because otherwise I don't know who I'm talking to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, We've you go done and- meetings before where people just switch off their cameras and it can be a bit daunting. Oh, it's you they're not there or they're not listening or something right you know what i mean um i was having a meeting today where someone's cat jumped onto their lap and they were very in a lockdown situation so i was kind of understanding i was like i don't think it matters it's obvious you're at home you know like we're going to be a bit more forgiving but the fact is that meetings are this a part of a lot of our life right and um that Apparently, according to National Statistics Council, 37% of employee time is usually spent in meetings, um, but 47% of people consider excessive meetings a waste of time. So it's kind of an interesting idea. Like it's something that people do spend a lot of time doing. People do spend a lot of time in meetings, but how effective are they actually? And you're right. There's those ones that just drag on and on. And you're like, who called this meeting? Why are we here? What's the objective? I don't, am I ever going to leave? You know? Um, So it's very difficult. Pointless meetings can cost huge amounts of money as well. In 2019, pointless meetings cost 
U.S. companies $399 billion and U.K. companies $58 billion, that just people just holding meetings, like in terms of productivity hours, working hours, everything else, not achieving anything, those kinds of meetings did that, which is remarkable, really. That's really costly. And it's surely it's demotivating as well for people to be sitting in meetings and not feeling like they're going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, um, so that's what I think. So anyway, I want to look into it about the history of meetings because at the same time, a part of me is a bit of a, you know how I feel about the human race, Noreen. I quite like them. I like people. <laughs> and I like the idea of meetings. I like the idea of coming together with other people and reading body cues and talking to people face to face and seeing their faces and engaging with people. And the wonderful thing is technology now allows us to do that even when we're not able to do so in person. But I wanted to look a little bit at where meetings came from. So if we go back quite far to the 8th and 10th centuries BC, which is where the ancient Greeks were, um, we see that even before the word meeting was invented, it was invented in the 14th century. So um, it's quite interesting, the actual word. But before that, ancient Greek people would gather in the Agora for statements of the king or council. So the, the, the literal definition of the word Agora in Greek is gathering place. And it had a lot of twin functions. It was a political and a commercial space. Merchants could sell their goods there. It was kind of a marketplace. It was a place for people to come together. And famous philosophers such as Aristotle and Socrates uh, were frequent, uh, frequent attendees. They would have topics like philosophy, business, politics, and even town gossip, which were discussed in these meetings they had together. Um, and the first acts of democracy in Western democracy, because there was different forms of democracy um, in other cultures, but the first forms of Western democracy also exercised there, which the majority vote won, that kind of idea. So it's this really interesting idea that this established place of kind of decision and assembly and um, kind of creating an agenda all came together in this agora, right? Now, um, the Romans, of course, had to have their own thing too. When they um, defeated the Greeks in 146 BC, they adapted the Roman Forum, which was a place for not only political and commercial use, but for also religious rituals. And the Forum was the center of everyday life in Rome. So it was deemed kind of the most celebrated meeting place in the world and all of history. Um, and it was this place where people could come and speak. And the speaking order was arranged with seating arrangements where the most powerful people sat at the front and the least powerful people sat at the back. And it kind of echoes if you've ever walked into a big <laughs> boardroom and there's this kind of weird musical chair situation where you're like, how important am I? Like, do I sit next to the screen? Do I not? Is the boss going to be there? Like, where do I sit? Sitting at the you back know? next to the door. <laughs> exactly. It's really interesting. Um, but yeah, so that's quite cool. Now we look back in something a bit closer to home um, and the life of a Chinese emperor back in the day was one of many, many meetings, um, which means, um, yes, yeah, so the modern, the emperor was obliged to attend meetings from the crack of dawn to discuss policies and matters of public interest. And the hall of mental cultivation was used for routine administrative affairs where meetings with generals took place as well. So in ancient China, as well as Greece and Italy, these town squares were also common in holding meetings and public announcements. So we've had this idea of people coming together for a long time. 
Then we have this idea of like town hall meetings. Now, the creation of a town hall meeting can be dated back to the colonial era of the United States, where politicians gathered to meet and discuss legislation or to debate or to protest or to do all these things. And this is where like famous debates between like Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas sparked the common usage of these meetings for presidential campaigns. So that kind of started like, you know, when we see the presidential debates in the U.S. every few years, they, they have a very long-standing tradition of happening. Um, but of course, um, yeah, so there's a lot of different ways that we have sort of town hall meetings. And in other parts of the world as well, we have a lot of town hall meetings. I think we do have some in Hong Kong. They have them in Australia and New Zealand and Canada and Japan, like town hall meetings, right? So mm. it's quite an interesting idea. Um, so we fast forward to the 20th and 21st century. Have you ever been in a... I'm trying to think, when I was writing this column up, I was trying to think of the longest meeting I've ever been in. And I think it could have been, I think, stretching to like maybe three or four hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really long. I think it would have been. And I think it would have been like that I was continuously there. Like it wouldn't have been a workshop environment. It was like a meeting. And I think it's, it was almost like a form of, it's almost like a form of torture when you don't know when you can leave, why you can't leave, why, you know, because of course there's a lot of status attached to meetings. You want to think that they're, I mean, depending on the form of meeting and the type of meeting, you want to think there's a level. Depending on who's at the meeting and what you're meeting about. I mean, some meetings are enjoyable. I remember like when when I used to study drama, those meetings were sort of like fun and you got to do stuff. But yeah, I I can imagine if it's not the kind of place that you want to be in three or four hours cruise, that's really long. Yeah, really bad. And just so many people, like it was almost like I was there and then people would oh, I'm, I'm very important, so I'm only staying for 45 minutes and I'll leave. And someone else who was too important to join at the beginning of the meeting then comes and then needs to be caught up on the meeting. And then the lowly, like, leckies, like myself at the time, we were there the whole time watching this kind of weird Groundhog Day of the same meeting because, oh, let's just put that in a box and forget it. Anyway, let's go. So we've now got the digital revolution. And this is really interesting because in the 20th and the 21st century, we go from having a meeting which was really just focused on people, right? People and maybe some paper and pens and voices to the introduction of things like projectors and PowerPoint slides. And this revolutionized the dynamics of a meeting. They allowed for elements like images and data visualization to anchor their discussion points. So you're trying to make a point and you can back it up with something, right? And this kind of leads us to our current business meetings where people gather to make decisions and discuss company objectives. Um, although traditionally conducted in offices, and meetings are now, you take place all over the world, right? You can have a meeting at a cafe, you can have a meeting in a lobby, you can have a meeting outside. Um, and even though in ancient times, meetings tend to be held in one very specific location, modernity has meant we have more flexibility for where meetings can happen now. And I don't know if you've ever been, I've been on a few like Zoom meeting calls and stuff where somebody has been on the call and driving. And you're like, I think you probably shouldn't be doing that. Um, But you know what I mean? It just goes to the point. The point is, it doesn't really matter where you are. I remember when Um, I used to book um, a a certain back chat guest, um, the person would would be driving. And sometimes I think, oh, maybe it's not such a good idea. I don't know how slow. It's pretty dangerous. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You know, especially if, if the topic was sort of, you know, quite charged or whatever. Um, Thank goodness. But, <laughs> but, then, but then the guests would be then, oh, you know what? I better park my car and I can join and give it the full attention. Oh, like, right, be, sure. Yeah, so it's good.
good. <laughs> oh, funny. And I would be terrible at that. I'm the kind of person that has to turn down the radio so I can focus on where I'm going. So yeah. I, can, <laughs> like, I can't do two things at once. Um, but anyway, so it's, it's very interesting that way. If we look back at like video conferencing, which has become really like that just has taken off with the pandemic, right? I mean, we've all gotten, it's become so second nature mm. to the point that I almost don't even feel awkward about it anymore, about just having a complete stranger's face pop up on my screen from halfway across the world to talk to me. And I just, it just seems very natural now, right? But, um, and we have the first known use of video conferencing software started around 1967, but it wasn't until 1992 where the first free video conferencing application was created for, for use. And then video conferencing became even more popular when in 2010 when Apple launched FaceTime. And then we have, of course, applications like Skype and Slack and FaceTime and Zoom and Teams and all these other ones that are immensely popular. So it's super interesting how this has just proliferated. And it's added something new to meetings. It showed us that, that we have the power of technology in sustaining some sort of normality, even though our circumstances have been quite disrupted, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's quite interesting in that way. Anyway, um, meetings have got a bit of a, a bad reputation. A lot of people are like, I'm in meetings all day. And I always, sometimes like when people tell me that, depending, especially if they work in something like in an industry that I'm not in, like banking or law. Some or, corporate job. Yes, yeah, yeah, corpor yeah. I think what is discussed in your meetings? That you should, they're like, oh, my calendar's completely full. I'm just back to back in meetings. I'm like, I wonder what it is. Because I find a really good meeting or a bad meeting for that matter sucks the energy out of me. Like the mental energy of engaging with people in proximity and focused on a task is so exhausting. So if you're going from back to back to back to back meetings, it must be very tiring, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And I think, you know, how can you not sort of doze off or, well, nowadays with your mask, you can hide your yawn or something or stifle <laughs> That's it. That's true, actually. <laughs> or, or something. But if you're doing back to back to back to back meetings, how are you getting your actual work done? I don't understand yeah, that either. I agree. <laughs> they do say that, like, um, anyway, so if we talk about the number of meetings that are being held, actually, um, we've, we have changed how meetings have been arranged as a result of technology because it's now easier to, someone says, oh, I'm sorry, I won't be in the office that day. They're like, that's fine. The technology will find you wherever you are and pull you into the meeting, right? So it's also, it's also created, like, there's not a lot of boundaries around when you can have a meeting anyway. On average, there are 11 million meetings held in the U.S. every day. That adds up quickly to 55 million a week and 220 million meetings a month. So by the end of the year, just in the U.S. alone, the meeting total is well over a billion, right? And they've also Whoa. found that the, the time employees are spending in meetings has risen around 10% every year since 2000. And that makes sense now. I guess also the downside of technology and the COVID pandemic and working from home is that you don't have those clear office hours. You know if someone's leaving the office at 6 p.m. and you know they call, you call them and say, hi, can I chat? You say, I'm sorry, you can't. I'm on the MTR. I'm outside. I'm in the rain. I'm on a bus. Like there's a real clear mm. definition of what time is available, right? But so nowadays, kind of when people are, you know, starting to work from home, um, meetings are sort of all over the place. And there's that it's quite blurred. P people call meetings in the evening just because maybe during the day they've, they're doing something else. 
Absolutely. Mm. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. They say that staff task force and information sharing meetings are the most common meeting type. They account for 88% of total meetings, which is quite interesting when you think about it, right? It's like, you know, that's quite functional meetings. Um, the average meeting length is between 31 to 60 minutes. That's the average meeting. But it's also interesting because the average human kind of focused attention span in that kind of context is about 18 minutes. So <laughs> you're not really going to achieve much in that period of time, if you know what I mean. And then um, if you've got back to back to back, you know, that yep. the, the 18 minutes was used in that first meeting. Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, it takes a while when you get on a meeting to get everyone on the same page. But also the way our calendars are structured, most of the time we have 30 and 60 minute blocks of time. So people would select 30 minutes. And then I guess you have that mental thing of I've got 30 minutes to chat, whereas actually you probably do the same in 12. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting. Um, they say that one of the reasons that meeting time is considered unproductive is that so few meetings actually lead to any decisions. The most common complaint people have had about meetings is that they are inconclusive. And the next most frequent complaints are that participants are poorly prepared and or organized and they don't help either. I have found this as well. You know, when people call a meeting, you have to be like, well, make sure that you arrive with all of the things you need, right? 63% of meetings are conducted without a planned agenda. Um, following a detailed just agenda, it. just winging it. And, and the thing is, if you follow a detailed agenda and start on time, you can actually reduce meeting times by up to 80%. Mm. They say that nine out of 10 people daydream in a meeting, which is totally true. I'm always thinking about what I'm going to eat the minute the meeting's over. <laughs> or doodling. I often see people sort of doodling. But, but that, see, that's okay. Doodling's but, okay. Doodling uh, is, um, yeah, that's it's That's actually they're concentrating. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 Yeah, doodling's a good thing. I, I used to be a doodle and I used to be very embarrassed at doodling, but then I didn't really know how to explain to people, actually, the reason I'm doing this is because it's actually helping me focus on what you say. You know what I mean? So I agree. Um, they also say 73% uh, of people work on other things during a meeting. 40% of employees waste up to 30 minutes a day searching for a meeting space, right? So being like, let me see if room six is available. Like, I've had this so many times, it's really quite comical. Like, hold on, room six is, isn't free. Room seven free but we don't have the projector like it goes on and on and on and on um they also say that 53 percent of conference rooms are designed to accommodate seven people or more but 73 percent of meetings actually only involve two to four people so people build these massive conference rooms but actually most of the time it's only like less than 20 percent of the time that people actually need a huge conference room they could be fine with a table for three people so it's quite, it's quite fascinating um, in that way. Um, but yes, and they, they do say that if you want to have more productive meetings, have an agenda, set a timer, like literally set a timer, be like, this is when we have to get off this call. This is why we're going to do the call. We're going to solve this problem or we're going to have this meeting to make a decision on this rather than just making them. Or if they're brainstorming meetings, say they're going to be a brainstorming meeting for a short amount of time. And then we're going to come back again with the ideas after they've marinated a little bit in like corporate speak and then make a decision based on that. So it's kind of interesting in that way. I have four quotes for you. 
And then before you get to the quotes, Cruz, just very quickly, when you go to a meeting, table or no table, because some or, or standing or 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 sitting, because a lot of the times they say um, to to make a a meeting more fast, more efficient, uh, people should be standing. standing. Yeah. How interesting. I think also the interesting thing is, though, Noreen, as a female, as a woman, I also find physicality is really important in certain kinds of meetings. So any opportunity you have to, like, have positive body language or to be on equal footing with someone who may be taller or broader than you are, um, sometimes that's quite equalizing. When everyone sits around a table, mm. the majority of the time it's quite an equal footing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. I think with standing, it can be a little bit more complex in terms of body language. Yeah. That's just a personal observation. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, <laughs> um, excellent. Anyway, so I have a couple of, um, I have a couple of quotes. Um, Thomas Sowell said, people who enjoy meetings should not be in charge of anything, <laughs> which is an interesting take. Uh, Charles W. Scharf said, meetings should have as few people as possible, but all the right people. That was a great one. I have definitely been in meetings where I'm like, there's a lot of meat in the room. Like, who are these people? Like, why are you here? You're not speaking. You're not making notes. Why are you here? Um, Jason Freed said, meetings should be like a salt, a spice sprinkled carefully to enhance a dish, not poured recklessly over every forkful. Too much salt destroys a dish. Too many meetings destroy morale and motivation. Yes, yes. Um, so I like that. And the last one is from Jacqueline Leo, who said, one look at an email can rob you of 15 minutes of focus. One call on your cell phone, one tweet, one instant message can destroy your schedule, forcing you to move meetings or blow off really important things like love and friendship. So it's trying to say, like, make a meeting count because it's taking time away from something else. Exactly. And I really like liked it when you reminded us that it's the first 18 minutes that really is like yep. um, our focus. So I'll bear that in mind should I ever host a, a meeting. Meanwhile, Cruz, thank you so much for your sharing. As usual, we learned so much from you. And uh, I look forward to having you back on the program next week for more audio columns. Thank you so much. No problem. Bye.